We're, we are experiencing quite a bit of shaking. If you'll mm -hmm. give us a brief moment here, we're mm -hmm. making sure that nothing is going to come down in the yeah. studio here. And it is going for uh, quite a bit, everybody. I, it continues. It, this is to, a very strong earthquake. Strong here. 821 here on the air. We're experiencing very strong shaking. Wow. I think we need to get under the desk. All right, we're going to go to break. Uh, we'll, we'll be, be right, right back. back. After we'll be this. right back. Wow. California residents remain on edge tonight. Two major earthquakes and 3,000 aftershocks. So we're experiencing an earthquake right now. Whoa, yes can we are. Can you feel the I earth can. below you? Yes, I can. Here at Thomas and Matt. Yes, I can. The building is swaying just a little bit. So here's a question for you. How good are we at predicting whether this earthquake is going to come tomorrow or the next day or the day after? Look, I'll be blunt. It's voodoo, black magic. <laughs> I've never experienced an earthquake before, but I knew yeah. exactly what it was when I felt the ground beneath me. Correct. It was crazy because everything that survived the first earthquake didn't survive the second. We will see the big one. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's the law of physics. We keep hearing aftershocks, aftershocks, aftershocks. How worried should people be there? The city that shakes together, stays together. The probability of a big one hasn't changed at all. Long overdue. We're playing Russian roulette with Mother Nature. Oh my lord. That's an earthquake. That's a big fucking earthquake. I just said fucking on my channel. surroundings uh looks like uh some an old mattress on the ground we're in a looks like a storage shed i think there might be blood on the walls i think this is maybe where you dispose of dead bodies close <laughs> it is called the bear cave because <laughs> there's so many bones there's some corpses around somewhere they might not be human corpses but there's uh there's carcasses i believe we call those carcasses in the animal kingdom you're gonna get pita in here in 10 minutes flat <laughs> we're in my garage aka the bear cave um in sunny sunny california sunny california john Schimpf in the house is he uh ah i'm gonna edit out my last name so nobody knows who i really am i think it's too late for that john s yeah. Actually, his name is Captain Dingus, everyone. Um, so here we are, John. Mm. New phase. You know, we've been we've been talking about this forever. John came out uh with with the uh with the spouse and they have been putzing around LA, seeing the sights, going on drives. We've been eating good food. We're having a hoot. Um, cuz you know, it's summertime. It's the time to see the sights, putz around eat some good food. Yeah, but summertime in LA is dramatically different than summertime in Chattanooga because it's about 70 degrees and then at night goes down to about 60 degrees. Mm -hmm. So it's it's constantly gorgeous. It's otherworldly. It's kind of like fall everywhere else. Right. <laughs> right. Except everything is in bloom, even though it was also in bloom a month and a half ago. There's a papaya tree in the front that's got huge fruit. We got some avocado. We got some... Um, what else do we have? We have some plums. We've got some uh, some limes growing. 
These are all in our yard. We've got uh, an avocado tree with how many avocados do you think is on that tree? 50. You think 50? I think over 100. Really? Don't doubt my avocado tree. They're four bucks a pop. You got like a, you got a couple nice dinners sitting up in that tree. Oh, yeah, baby. Just got to find a buyer, mm-hmm. which would take a while. So what episode are we on, John? Do you know off the top of your head? I think it's 55. Oh, my gosh. We are exactly halfway to 100. Mm. Math was never my strong suit. So, couple things. Um, right before you came out, there was an earthquake. You you said it was relating somehow to the cosmic the the, the cosmic shifts that you're causing by visiting. Right. Well, everywhere we go, there's issues. You know. Yeah. There's tornadoes in the south. As soon as we came. Right. You know, we came right before we came here. Yeah, the earth was quaking. Literally quaking. Arrival. And then I went to another Dodgers game, as you know. Right. I went to another Dodgers game, and we're sitting in the upper, the the second from the top deck. Mm -hmm. We're sitting from the second to the top deck, and what should happen? All of a sudden, everything starts shaking. Everything. And everyone in the stadium goes quiet. It's so crazy. And the guys are playing on the field? The guys are on the field. The batter, I don't know if they could really feel it. At one point, he kind of stood back and was like, you could tell he was kind of like, what's going on? But everybody starts as quiet for a sec, and for a solid 20 seconds, everything shook. Not dramatically, but it felt like you were kind of on a boat on some water. It was very strange. It was not kadoosh. It was just kind of this weird rocking. Is there a noise associated? I did not hear any noises. No rumbling. No rumbling. Uh, just very strange shaking. Everybody's freaking out because there was a 7.1 magnitude earthquake. Oh my gosh! And uh, we were sitting in a in, in Dodger Stadium with 50,000 other Los Angelinos, and uh, a lot of people thought we were going to die. Sure, naturally, most people didn't. No one went anywhere. They just kept playing. It was the fourth inning. They just kept playing. Nothing happened. Uh, so that was interesting. That's how you know somebody who's been through an earthquake or not. Yeah. If you stay calm, you've probably been through one, huh? Yeah, I thought it was kind of awesome. I thought it was, it was just the most LA experience I could possibly imagine in certain ways. Um, and did they go back to playing? They did. They finished the game. I think it kind of threw off the mojo a little bit. You know, we ended up losing. It was a very close game. It was a great LA experience, though. You know, and the Dodgers are on a real hot streak. Yeah, it sounds like the most possible way to enjoy a uh, boring-ass baseball game. Yeah, yeah. well, you needed some excitement. I think, yeah. Did you did you cause the earthquake as a favor? I, I did a little magic back yeah. in Chattanooga, yeah. Just to shake Well, no, you up. guys were on the plane, though, right? Right, right. I was sending my energy down. Yeah. Were, you weren't nervous, though? Did people start to flee? Uh, I didn't see anyone leave. I think I wasn't super nervous because I thought, you know, there's been other earthquakes and the stadium didn't collapse. So it's going to take more than a little rumbling to send like 6 million tons of concrete and steel crashing to the ground. As far as I know, there was zero damage to the stadium. So I wasn't particularly concerned. Well, I was flying overhead and I was in an airplane and I went to use the bathroom and I saw the people in the seats watching the, you know, the screens they have on the back of the right. seats. Okay. And they had live TV on. At first I thought it was a movie because there was like, you know, 
buildings in flames <laughs> and like absolute pandemonium. And the headlines were so dramatic, like largest earthquake ever in years. California in flames. Exactly. I thought it was a movie for a second. And then I looked closer and saw the day and it was current. It freaked me out, man. I thought we were going to land in some post-apocalyptic uh, California wasteland. Did you? Mm. We came in and it was like everybody's in shorts and t-shirts walking around having a great time. So the answer is kind of? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, all right, what are some other highlights of the trip so far? Uh, you did save my life. Oh, yes. I did. I did, in some senses, save John's life. We went to the comedy store, which was fun. Who did we see at the comedy store? Uh, we saw uh, ooh, Mark Maron. That was cool. Mark Maron was cool. Um, we saw Tiffany Haddish. Mm. Who She's was got my, good vibes, good she, energy. She was a voice on the second Lego movie. She was like a villain. She was? Yeah. Oh. She, she played, uh, I forget the character's name, but we can look it up. But um, she was great. The Jamie Kennedy from the Jamie Kennedy experience was there. You know, I didn't even recognize him because I used to watch that show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this guy's funny. I wonder who he is. It was Jamie Kennedy from the Jamie Kennedy experiment. I wonder what else he's been up to. And that chick from SNL was there, Melissa, Melissa Villasenor. 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 She's Villa good. Senor. She was good. So we saw that. We yeah. left. It was great. We had a good time. Then we went to Norm's Diner. Up in Hollywood. We went to Norm's. West Hollywood, I guess, maybe. And there was a guy, you know, asking for money when we came in, and Uncle Zay politely turned him down. And he's like, this is some bullshit. And I was like, well... Is it though? I don't have cash to give you. And that was it. He went that away mumbling, yeah. but you and I stood out talking for a second. He came back up to me and I had said nothing to this guy, but he came right up to me and he said, can I punch you? <laughs> can I punch you in the face <laughs> with his arm cocked back and you in a bowl, reached your arm out and blocked me from getting sucker punched right in the yap. That's how John remembers it. I remember coughing on him kind of like, <laughs> And he fell over. Yeah, right. And now you got a lawsuit on your hands because yeah, he hit his head. Exactly. No, but he, uh, I kind of nudged him and he fell away because I think he weighed about six pounds. Yeah. And right. um, and then he was very upset. And so for the next 90 seconds or so, he just proceeded to scream at us and try to get us to fight him. He took his shirt off, which was interesting. Oh, he, the, the probably one of the more interesting aspects of his, uh, his vibe was he had a very large, probably four inch by four inch tattoo on his neck that looked like a four year old had drawn it. It said, fuck you tattooed on his neck. Not, not a great scene. It actually inspired me to get a tattoo, but <laughs> a similar one. Yeah, maybe you never know. Yeah. Uh, definitely intimidating. That was, it was a little intense. So John and I were debriefing afterwards. It was a little weird. It was very sad, you know, because I think at the, it became very clear that he really wanted to fight. And I think not probably with the intention of winning. I mean, there's no, you know, although who knows, man, he might've had crazy man strength, which was another thing we were, we did not fight. You know, we just kind of kept backing up and we we're like, dude, get out of here. Get out of here. I'm walking here. I'm trying to fight here. Yeah. I was going to say, don't you feel bad for sending him to the hospital, but, no, we did not. We did not end up fighting the guy, thankfully. Oh man, I just didn't want the hassle. It crossed my mind, you know. Did you really think about clocking him? 
Yes. Well, I, I was assessing this. I, here's the thing. We could have gone inside. I didn't particularly want to because I had about half of a cigarette left that I wanted to finish. Was that the wisest move? You know, no. A couple of people were like, man, you, you know, you never know what's going to happen. The, here's what I was really trying to assess the situation. I, he had his shirt off. Hmm? His pants were tied with a string. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he had just gotten out of jail and maybe wanted to go back or something. But mm. his pants were tied with a string, and they were about around his knees. Mm. So I knew – I was like, if he – where would he be hiding a knife, you know? Um, so I wasn't particularly worried about it. So I just kind of kept backing up, and he kept trying to, you know, come at us, and, and we just kind of – you know, we just kind of ninja dodged him a few times. It was It was okay. Could have been worse. And that was it. He went on his merry way. and <laughs> I wouldn't call his way merry, but he did go on his way, yes. It's a perception thing, yeah. you know? He and might be we, having a hoot. And then we went in and had some bacon and eggs. So that's basically the whole trip so far, I'd say. Can't think of anything else that happened. Yeah, it was definitely a highlight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, d- I did cruise around in Los Feliz with my, my lifelong friend, and we went trash diving for chairs. Ooh. Did you find any... Uh, any good ones? Yeah, we found some good ones. A little Herman Miller. He took us on a tour, very, uh, <laughs> a very intentionally timed tour that ended with us high atop of this hill in his Jeep, listening to some World War II era, like light jazz that he had picked out. And the sun is setting over the hills, and it's pretty magical. This guy, my friend, is a vibes guy for sure. <laughs> Vibes guy. There are three types of personalities in this world. Uh, crazy homeless people. Mm. Podcasters. And vibe guys. Mm-hmm. There's not much in between. So, all right, John. Yes. Let's get into this. Let's get into this ep. Where are we in the life cycle of this podcast, mm. of this movie that we're sometimes discussing you know we've been talking about this the edit is kind of in the process we're bringing in some talent to help finish it there's a lot going on and yet at the same time there's kind of not a lot going on Mm. and how's that make you feel it makes me feel useless (laughs) (laughs) can you be more specific no i don't know useless is the wrong word um it makes me a little anxious right you know i like um I like to be I like to be the one sort of driving. You know, I, I don't like to sit in the back seat. I like to drive. I, I you know, even if I'm giving directions, I still would rather be giving directions and driving. But as we discussed on a previous episode, that isn't how it works usually. You got to give up the driver's seat. Because then if you're in the back, you know, you can draw pictures and stuff. Well, you can't give directions and drive because you end up crashing into a wall. Without it. Keep your eyes on the road. Mm -hmm. Quick PSA. This episode is brought to you by the Coalition Against Texting and Driving. (laughs) They just made a law where I live that you can't have your phone or like you cannot be using your phone whatsoever. There's no wireless you know, hands-free calling, nothing. You're not allowed to do anything. Wow. You're giving tickets out aggressively. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's probably for the best, but it's like people are distracted. It's, mm. it's not just the phone. There's going to always be something that you're wanting to fidget with or thinking about and not paying attention. Billboards. Driving. Yeah, 
Billboards, exactly. You get rid of billboards. There's a place where Ben Bernanke worked called South of the Border, and like oh, he worked there. Yeah, while he was on with the uh, big sin, the the big uh, sombrero. Yeah, exactly. There's a amusement park called um, what's it called? South of the Border. It's south of what border, though? Exactly. The, yeah, think, it's like not even the Mason-Dixon line or anything. It's no border. It's not a real border. But there's like four miles worth of like very wordy billboards mm. that you read as you go down this kind of desolate drive in the middle of the south. Wait, if if I remember correctly, it's more like 80 miles of billboards. It's actually an astounding number of billboards. Yeah, and some of these are extremely wordy. Mm-hmm. It's like... How is that less dangerous than staring at your phone when you're reading like right. a multi-paragraph billboard? Like a Thomas Pynchon quote that's just like scrawled in messy handwriting. Uh-huh. Um, I wonder if there's ever been a lawsuit from somebody that's crashed because they were staring at a billboard. That's a very good question. I don't know. There should be. Opening up some new legal markets here for us. Anyway, we'll probably keep this one pretty short, but I think I'm excited about some some things that are coming up. Um, I I you know John and I were discussing this today. In a lot of ways, I think we're 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 going to call this the end of season two. Now we just recently started season two, so don't get hung up on that. We, you know our seasons are not they don't necessarily coincide with um with the the setting of the sun. Do any seasons coincide with the setting of the sun? Without a doubt, no. They don't necessarily coincide with the school schedule. There you go. I definitely are not tied to the schedules of public schools. They're also not tied to the moon. You're saying that they're completely arbitrary. They are very arbitrary in a broader sense. Um, I see this as the end of season two because this is the end, I hope, of Zay Smallman sitting in a room moping. Mm. I think we can call season two. Season one is let's make a movie. Season two is we made a movie. Now Zay gets to sit around and be a little baby about it. Mm. Now season three is going to be, have we decided yet? Speak it into existence. You better make this good. Ooh, baby, I am feeling some pressure. <laughs> is it because I'm sitting right across from you? Oh, John will not make eye contact with me. John, look at my eyes. I'm staring at a spot John, on this bamboo desk. I'm staring at a spot on this bamboo desk. John, look at It's my rude eyes. in conversation. Look it is an anti-charismatic John, way eyes. of acting by not looking into somebody's eyes when you're speaking to them. And I don't do that in conversation. But for some reason, when John, you put a microphone in front of you and I have to quote unquote perform, it is so uncomfortable to make eye contact <laughs> that you trying to stare deeply into my eyes makes me want to run from this room. I've been staring at John's rough, scruffy beard for the last 20 minutes. I do look like a wild man. But, you know, in a big city. John, look into my eyes. In a big city. <laughs> uh, I, I got a glimpse. I won. I got a glimpse. I win. I win. I win. I read an article about Stuart Butterfield. I've mentioned this so many times, but he was the founder of Slack and he was talking about how Gawker Media was their biggest unpaid user for forever and gawker had um one of their ancillary companies called valley wag have you heard of this i haven't heard of valley wag i guess it's like uh, i've never looked at it but i guess it's, it sounds like the sequel to homeward bound i think <laughs> i think it's a uh, i think it's a silicon valley gossip blog oh boy 
and anyway, so Gawker was using the free version of Slack for forever. And the owner of Gawker had tweeted about it, that he liked Slack, but they were never going to pay for it. And Stuart Butterfield did just... Did he explain why? Just because it was $7 a user a month. Mm. And they had hundreds and hundreds of um, employees. So it would have been a ton of money. So he posted on Twitter that he was using the free version of Slack and wasn't going to pay for it. And Stuart Butterfield, the owner and founder of Slack, wrote on his Twitter just the phrase staring contest <laughs> and eventually they caved and they wow. got the, the paid version of it he won but I thought that was so funny that's sort of what we're doing right here yeah except way less high stakes look into my eyes never he didn't he I, won't do it I won't do it he, I got one Um. so now that I've had lots of time to think about what season three is going to be John's looking into my eyes now so you can't mention Those it nice big beefy eyes gross uh now that i've had several minutes to give lots of thought careful consideration to season three um i am realizing that i have actually squandered a hundred percent of that thought and consideration listening to a story about gawker media but which no longer exists you mean i derailed you i was derailed i was effectively derailed good but I should have used it more as a diversion than a derelation. Derelation is my new word, my singular contribution to this, uh, to this derelation, to this culture that we that live will in. not be adopted into the lexicon. I can guarantee. N now that I am moving on from that derelation, if I use it enough times, people will get it stuck in their heads. Oof. Have I mentioned that I uh, invented a new word, John? Is it derelation? It's pronounced derelation, derelation. Now that we, I, I think derelation is a is in a way uh, a great way to summarize what I expect the season three to be. Not mm. because we will be constantly talking about nothing. Mm. Not that Stuart Butterfield. You know, we have a. I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. The rollers exist because of Slack. Right. Rollers exist because a man named Eric Costello, shout out to Eric, co-founder of Slack, mm -hmm. longtime friend of Stuart Butterfield, is the executive producer who uh, who who uh, made Slack possible. Um, so shout out to Slack. We use Slack. Mama Bear. This episode brought to you by Slack. Jeez, their legal team's definitely going to come. Mama Bear. <laughs> They're like, we are not associated with this project. Mama Bear has used Slack for many years. Uh, we were actually a beta tester and immediately fell in love with it. Rollers was powered by Slack. Rollers, powered by Slack. So thank you, Slack. Slack's a great product. I'm sure you all already know about it. If you don't, you probably don't need it. <laughs> because, I don't know why. What Terrible advertisement. Yeah, I, we're never going to get a single sponsor. I don't even know if I want spon real sponsor. I like sponsoring who I like to sponsor. Point is... Um, I think season three, we're, we're, here's what we're going to be doing a lot of. We're going to be doing a lot of talking to other people. And I want to be, I want to say something right now, right here on the record. It's not because we're out of things to say. Okay. Well, you've, you've done stand up before. You've gone and done stand up. But, you know, if you had to suddenly face a thousand people or even a hundred people and talk in front of them, extemporaneously for 30 minutes mm -hmm. it would be extremely uncomfortable it would be mainly for them 
Right. <laughs> right. I, I would have plenty of things to talk about, but mm. about 16 seconds in, it would become clear to all of them that they were uninterested in what I had to talk about. How would you open? If you suddenly found yourself teleported into a, a stadium and you were having to address 500 people. Okay. So let me just picture the scene. I'm in a stadium. Mm-hmm. There are 500 people. Only 500 people. Are they spread out throughout the 75,000 seats? No, they're all sitting right in front of you, Mm. and you're standing in front of them. Well, you know, I pick pick somebody who, um, oh, man, uh, I don't even know if I want to give this guy any credit. Gosh, some idiot with a just a total jerk face and a jerk T-shirt was sitting right in the front row of this show. This happens every time. And this guy gets some love from the comedians because half of them have no material prepared. And he they're trying to do crowd work. And he's wearing a shirt that says Party in the USA. And he's clearly a real D-bag. And um, not necessarily just because of the shirt. He's just got that vibe about him. Well, he really came through. You know, he really, he really did not disappoint. He kind of... There was a significant amount of derelation that took place. <laughs> Doubling down. <laughs> No, but no fewer than three of the comedians that went that night got completely derailed by this guy. Yeah. Because he wanted so badly to get attention. He wanted to be funny. It wasn't heckling per se. No. He was just, you know, if anything was addressed to the crowd, like, you guys like tacos, right? He'd be like, yeah, I love tacos. And he like would not let it die. And then he tried to give a lecture on, on gender identity. It was very strange it was unfortunate it was not not great but also as a comedian if you're sitting up there and and you're sort of out of ideas or you're not sure what you're going to say next and there's somebody not making a ruckus necessarily but there there is something to interact with you know Mm -hmm. you can engage this guy and you could kill five minutes and just pray that it's interesting and, and funny yeah, that you could pull something out of this. Yeah, and some you see of them a guy did. with a jerk face, and you just are like, "Let me do something with that guy." Yeah, <laughs> let me use this. Let me use this clown. Yeah, but the problem is that he wasn't okay with being used. You know, he needed a little bit more attention than just that. It made me sick to my stomach. But the thing about that dude was, he was playing it relatively cool till deep into the show. At mm-hmm. first, he was just fun guy at the party. And then it became too much. He got a little drunky drunk. He got a little overconfident. He got, he, the guy was up there getting like fist bumps from Mark Marin. Yeah. You know, he would like he was interacting with them well at first, and then it just completely devolved. It was not good. So there was a there was a I believe the term is derelation. You know, in that that setting, it actually kind of works. Yeah. He was an expert in the in the art of derelation. And so, some of those comedians had a derelation of duty when they just let this guy run amok on their show. You got to shut that down, baby. You got to shut it down. You got to shut that shit down. Okay. But those people were doing multiple shows. Yeah. You know, that was the first of three shows they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And it almost felt like we we're getting warmed up on, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah, it felt a little bit like that. It was kind of like, you know, when you go get a massage and they kind of just start poking at the back of your head a little bit you know yeah they didn't go for the jugular right off the bat right so you know there was quite a bit of derelation which i believe is is the it's going to be the theme of the upcoming season and not because we don't have anything to say it's because i'm excited about finally being close enough to this project being done that it's time to start interviewing some of the other people who are involved with it Mm. and not even just exclusively the actors 
Who gives a shit what they have to think? Actors don't have thoughts. Oh, we lost half our base. No, actors actors have many thoughts. We're going to be interviewing some of the actors. We're going to be interviewing some of the other people who have been involved with the show in various ways. We'll talk about the show. We'll talk about the movie. We'll talk about their lives. Um, You're saying the, this, though, as if this isn't something you had already planned to do. We had talked about this midway through production of rollers we had talked about interviewing cast and crew did we for sure didn't we do you have proof of that 100 percent. oh shit definitely oh, i do no yeah no actually that was something that people talked about often in the feedback that we got early on they were like you're always pitching future concepts <laughs> and not delivering and so that's where you know thanks for bringing it full circle john the real the real thing here is that that's what i mean by season three being the season of derelation mm. is that i'm not actually sure mm. if during season three we will interview anyone yeah there's a zero percent chance there's this there's a well but if you add a couple decimal points i'd say there's a 0.01 percent chance which means you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there is a chance. Yes. It's not a high chance. But I think we're going to get on a roll. You know, we're going to interview some of the actors. We're going to, the next episode, I believe, unless we change our minds, is going to be with Mama Bear collaborator, team member, Rollers art director slash associate producer, Elizabeth Alcorn. Hugely helpful player in the whole process of getting this thing made. Couldn't be more excited. We're gonna have her on, and we're gonna um, we're gonna grill her. We're gonna ask her all sorts of trivia about the movie, and if she gets it wrong, we're gonna kick her off the show, and she's never allowed back. Mm, but we'll let you decide. Yeah. Oh, this. So it's turning into a game show. I met Elizabeth in the flesh earlier today, and um, immediately started grilling her about her background, and just got way too intrusive, way mm. too quick. And are I, you I, sure about that? I don't know. You can never really tell how people are gonna take stuff, you know. And I, you know, she's cool. So she, she didn't give me any indication that she was offended by my interrogations, but, um, I just, you know, I don't have a lot of time for small talk to all those we're going to have on the show. Let that be a warning a Warning. to all of those listening to the show. Let that be a, a trailer of sorts. We don't round guys. We're going to ask you some tough questions. We're going to ask you some stuff you don't like. I'm going full I'm going full early Terry gross on these guys. Oh, jeez. Did you ever hear late the Terry gross is just, she just, She's just there to listen. Have you she ever heard the Terry shit. Gross interview with Gene Simmons? Or no, but I like Gene Simmons a lot. Okay, well, Terry Gross, when I was a kid, I listened to Terry Gross a lot. She was the local hero because, you know, I'm in Philly and I mm. love public radio. And she, you could go to the building at the time of these big, big Tell glass walls and you could stand outside and you could watch her do her show. There'd be some, sitting there famous, you know, somebody famous. This is early 2000 around, maybe 1999. And I knew a producer. I went to church with a producer at WHYY. Anyway, all that to say, Terry Gross interviewed Gene Simmons, and it was one of the only interviews she ever canceled midway through or stopped midway Whoa. through because Gene Simmons w was just saying the grossest shit to her and like making sexual suggestions Whoa. to her. Okay, maybe I don't like Gene Simmons as much as I thought. He, you know, it was it was hard to tell whether he was actually this rude and crude or mm. if he was fucking with her. Hmm. But he was saying some pretty outrageous stuff to her, and she just she cut the interview. Did it get published? I think originally it did not, but they decided during a pledge drive. Oh wow! To talk about the situation, release some of the audio, and it's fascinating. It felt a little cheap, you know, if you're Gene Simmons, maybe, but 
they made huh. it, probably raised a lot of money because of that. That's kind of cool. Well, you know, that's that's what we have in store. Well, how should we wrap this episode up? Tell us. To, I want to know specifically who you'd like to interview. Well, let me rephrase that. I'd like to know specifically who you want to have on the show. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think some of the cast would be interesting. You know, some of them are working on stuff. Some of them are kind of between things. Um, it would be interesting to talk to cast. I think at some point, though, I'm also interested in talking to just other I, I don't know, you know, as we've said many times, this is not just the roller show. Mm. Um, this is, I guess we'll do it that way. And I, I think we're going to end up talking to lots of different types of people who are working on lots of different types of things. Mm. Um, you know, I'd like to have our, our good friend of the show, Bryce McGuire back. Mm. Everybody likes Bryce. Uh -huh. He's a good guy. Um, I'd like to have some ladies on the show. We've never, I don't know what, why. It's not on purpose. We've never had any ladies on the show. Question. Are there people that are so toxic but famous that you would not but you would not let them come on your podcast? That's a very good question. What if R. Kelly called you up and asked to be on the podcast? Is he ambiguous enough in no. his misdeeds that, or you would not? No, nah, I don't think I'd have R. Kelly. I think there are certain people who are controversial but not sort of uh certified villains. Mm. I think R. Kelly is pretty much in the villain category. He's a certified villain, huh? I think so. I mean, according to the people who know a lot more about this, about his 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 deeds than I do. Let me run a run a, a couple people. Okay, by yeah, you. Ready? Speed yeah. round. Okay, ready? O.J. Simpson. Mm -hmm. No, and here's why: because he isn't speed round. Speed round. No, <laughs> well, you know, this is good though. I I probably wouldn't have O.J. Simpson on because he's not a filmmaker. You know, he's uh, not okay. like right. he's not a writer. He's not a comedian. He's he's he was not, an actor. He was an actor. Well, isn't that Hertz commercial? Kinda an actor. He's not an artist. Let's put it that way. And I think to some extent, I'm interested in people who are who are connected at least peripherally to the art and craft of entertainment. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, if he was just purely a super interesting dude, I would consider it, but. It would feel to me like a major PR stunt. One that I would consider. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not above admitting I'd consider it. Um, okay, yeah, fine. Tough no. Har Harvey. No. Okay. Tom Cruise. Yes. He's a Scientologist. So what? Okay, all right. I don't judge Scientologists. I think Scientology's crazy. That doesn't make him a villain. Okay, all right. You know? I'm not suggesting he's a villain. I'm no, just no, no. I'm not saying I'm not saying you are. I'm just how kooky you want to go. That's what I want to know. Kooky's fine with me. We're kooky. Okay, okay keep going. Um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, Those are probably the only real options, though. Louis C.K. Ooh, Louis C.K. Wow, really put me on the spot here. Mm. That's a tough one to go on the record with, but yes, I would have Louis C.K. on the show. Interesting. I'm done. I'm out of here. As an artist, I don't necessarily respect his decisions, but I respect the art that he has made. And um, and yes, I would have him on the show. You don't feel like it's a stretch to call stand-up art? Oh, no. Stand-up is an incredible art form. Okay, fair enough. Did you think you saw some high-caliber art at the comedy store? I wasn't particularly impressed. Mm. It, it, you know, and to be fair to all the people we saw, it was not a showcase. You know, it was a it was a workout night. There were some funny jokes. I'll leave it at that. I was sucked into the magic of it. Like where I was oh, yeah, sitting. Oh, yeah, the magic of it's great. 
for sure. And that place, and I had never been there before and just sitting where I was, I could look directly to my left and you could see straight out to the exit mm -hmm. and all these comedians, you know, they go do their set and like Mark Marin and all these different people were standing in the back people who didn't even perform that night that were, you know, just comedians coming down. It was cool to see the camaraderie and it was magical, man. Yeah. And it's not a big place. So, you know, you run into all these people, you know, I peed next to Chris D'Elia one time. We really? Talked. Is that true? Yeah. You had a conversation with Mark Marin when we were at the I had comments. a conversation with Mark. I was like, hey, Mark, I got this movie. You know, I did actually think about talking to him because I think Rollers is the kind of movie that Mark Marin would like. You know, he's a rock and roll guy. Mm -hmm. He, um, I think he would really enjoy it. Actually, Andre Royo went on his show uh, to promote Hunter Gather, which was very cool. Really? Yeah. Um, so I thought about going over and being like, hey, man. Because we were talking about something else very briefly, and I thought about saying, like, hey, dude, I'm not pitching you. I know I would I will go through the channels, but just in case this comes across your desk in, like, a year, mm. just want you to remember the name Rollers. Just stick it in there. You'll forget it, and then it'll pop up. And just don't dismiss it out of hand. That was going to be my spiel, mm. and I'm um, now giving my spiel to the universe. I did not give it to Mark Marin. I don't know that he would have been in the mood for it but you did talk to him i did talk to him he did a very controversial bit about sort of religion and it was very interesting i thought um i won't try to recount it i won't even really sort of uh break it down pretty edgy and i think he if anything my big, biggest criticism is that he kept kind of backpedaling and being like oh i might have gone too far and i thought maybe he didn't I thought he was being funny and a comedian. and But, you know, that was my biggest criticism of the whole night. Everybody is terrified of the outrage police on Twitter. Every single comedian commented on it. They are terrified of making a joke that gets them blacklisted. I think that's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. So how did he respond to you? He, you know, I, I basically said, hey, man, um, I, I actually am religious uh, and... I thought that was very funny and insightful in a way, you know, and, and I thought I was just kind of commenting. I said, you know, I kind of feel like if people can't take that, what can they take? And then immediately the earth started to tremble. Another earthquake, the big one, actually. And and he appreciated that. He said, you know, it doesn't because I, I said, uh, if you can't take that, what can people take? He says he said, it seems like not much. And, um, and I said, well, it's kind of a shame. You know, I wish we had more of a dialogue. He's like, yeah, man, me too. And then. um I could have kind of kept it going, but I could tell that he was tired. He had just finished his set recently. I, I know he had another one coming up, so I just kind of left him alone. But he was courteous. He was polite to you. He was very polite, you know, and about 30 minutes later, I saw a guy that kind of cornered him, and he was trying to be nice and trying to listen, and this guy just would not shut his mouth. Felt really bad for him. I thought about just punching that guy in the face, mm. um, but I decided that would be a bad idea. Well, you got sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You think do. I made the right decision? You know... I think I learned a lot from that guy outside of Norm's diner, you know? Sometimes I, people just need to be punched in the face. It's very true. Is that what you took away from that incident? Sometimes you need that catharsis, you know? Mm -hmm. Just to Sometimes pop in the you gap. need to just crack your knuckles, and by that I mean break them on, on someone's, someone's face. face. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he said that at exactly the same time. You know, I, I, I did think, because so in terms of Mark, you know, I walked past him into the bathroom between him and this other guy. Right. I walked past him, went to the bathroom took about a 25 minute dump mm, Chris, Chris D'Elia was just pounding on the door 
Okay, none of that happened. I went to the bathroom pretty quickly, went to the bathroom, came back out. This guy was still yakking at Mark. Mm. And I did think about kind of walking up to Mark and just being like, oh, man, I'm like such a fit, you know, trying to rescue him from this guy. Right, right. I really thought about doing that and trying to make it kind of a bit. Mm. But uh, once again, I figured, you know, Mark Marin is a very famous person. Yeah. If he wants out of a conversation, he'll get out of it. This would be a scenario where you interrupt what you think is an uncomfortable conversation, but he's actually having a, ze- a very serious conversation with a close friend. Yeah, exactly. It's a very close friend who's informing him that he X and I walk over and then I look like the asshole. I think you're doing him a favor, but you're, yeah. Yeah. And as soon as he kind of dismisses me very politely, he immediately walks back to that guy and finishes the conversation. He's like, that guy was idiot interacting with celebrities even minor celebrities it's very uncomfortable i mean there's that a part is- of you there's a part of you that's like it's like it's seeing a dolphin or something and you can touch it in the zoo that's how you feel partly you want some connection to this exotic thing but then there's another more responsible part of you that's like how would you feel with some random idiot yeah you and started yakking just kind of stroking oh. your hair Staring deep into their eyes, trying yeah. to suck their life force out. I mean, that is a lot of what people expect out of celebrities. Mm-hmm. That they'll impart some gift to them. Yeah, and you just, they're just so normal, you know? That's what we're going to try to do here, though, is suck the life out of some people, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to suck it out, capture it. This episode brought to you by Zencaster. <laughs> I want to capture it in Zencaster. Mm-hmm. I want to suck their souls out, put it in Zencaster, funnel it through the internet, and deliver it right into. I just want to slam that sound right into your eardrums, and then it creates some sort of signal that somehow is interpreted by your brain as information. And on that note, we're gonna. What are we gonna do tonight? <laughs> Speaking of derelation. <laughs> We are we're gonna uh, cook it with John and Zay tonight, baby. Yeah, what in are we gonna do? person, Elizabeth Alcorn's a wonderful cook. She's gonna be in the kitchen cooking while we hang wow. out here, watch football and drink yeah, beers. Exactly. No, Elizabeth, John, and I are going to be uh, making some food. Elizabeth has what is called a yakitori grill. Excuse me. It's a style of Japanese grilling with a very specific kind of wood that imparts a delicious flavor to the food i've never had it myself but i hear it's incredible everything in la is so sceny it is so sceny you guys oh, grill man. like hipsters it's unbelievable we we grill like our lives depend on it you know why john we don't have an oven that's how i convinced my wife to get a nice grill we don't even have an oven and i was like hey if we get a nice grill we can just use it like an oven you know how yeah. we use that grill baby like an oven exactly on that note it's been a real pleasure all right you know, Next time you, <laughs> next time you see him. us, we'll have a, I'll have an LA tan. Oh baby! All right, see you next time. All right, Doug. Bye.